Welcome everyone to another episode of Retro Encounter. I'm your host Josh Curry. With me is a wonderful cast. Uh, Mike Solosi. Hey, I'm. You called me part of a wonderful cast. Oh, thanks. I retract my statement. He's no longer wonderful. But the uh, other two people is. are. There. <laughs> uh, also with me is Caitlin Ardros. Hey, Link is there on the boards. Good to be back. And f- making his Retro Encounter debut, Brett Woolley. Hello, you wonderful people. So as I said, this is Retro Encounter. For this month, we will be playing Deus Ex Human Revolution, which I am massively excited to finally get a chance to play, get to show off some of my shooting skills. So yeah, let's get into this. Anybody else excited? Yes, of course. (laughs) Had a wonderful time so far. So has anybody else actually played this before? No. I have. I have never played any of the Deus Ex games before. Yeah, that's a little bit of the first one. That's it. I had never played any of them, but I was like, "Hey, there's robotic parts and sci-fi and shooting." So I always wanted to, and it's just kind of one of those things that got buried back in the day when it came out for the 360. Oh, this is going to be challenging for me not to reveal things then. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, we should be a little bit respectful of spoilers based on how the podcast is set up, but I mean, but so. Has any one of us played the, the the 2000 one, the original one? Brett, you mentioned you had? Yes, I, I played a, a good little bit of it. I'm not unnecessarily enough to really know any of the overreaching plot elements, but uh, enough to, to kind of get a feel for how the theme has been over the years from now and, to, and from then. Yeah, people really love that that uh, 2000 or 01 or whenever that game came out. People really love the first day of sex. It's a... Uh, like a cult hit by every definition. One of my close friends, it's his favorite game of all time, and he's been bugging me to play it for a decade. And I haven't. Because, whatever. I, I, I don't play very many shooters or PC RPGs in general. So yeah, this is a li- this uh, Human Revolution is a little bit out of my wheelhouse, but so far I think it's pretty cool. It's a good time for you to go back to the original with all of the graphical updates and support that has occurred over the years, especially more recently. Uh, the game is looking a lot better uh, and apparently is running a lot smoother. Yeah, I think I own it. Um, do I? Let me let me check. Yeah, okay. I, I own. Yeah, I own this one and I own the original the original one. Yeah. Well, I, I already had Steam open. That's because you're still playing something on Steam. Let's be honest. No, I'm not. <laughs> I, I was playing Diablo three until about two minutes ago, but that's oh, not that's there, not happening either. There's our segue into BlizzCon. Let's go. <laughs> Nope. No, no. <laughs> no, no, we gotta avoid a Caitlyn execution. But I I thought, I didn't even realize I had this game already, because I, I th- um, I'd signed up for the November game a while ago, and when we voted on Deus Ex, it's like, oh, okay, I guess I'll see how much that costs. And then, apparently, I bought it in a 2013 Humble Bundle and forgot about it. So, yep. alright, I've, I've had this thing for a while, somehow. And I accidentally I started... have all of them. <laughs> I like the term accidentally at the front of that. Yep, I accidentally have two of them. Uh, Caitlin, when you originally played it, did you play the original version, or did you play the director's cut? I played the original version first. This is my my first time playing the director's cut. So you had to suffer through the original version? No, I didn't suffer through anything. The original version is still a really great game. There's not a whole lot that they've added to the director's cut beyond some commentary and uh, they changed up or gave you more options for the boss battles right they reworked it so that it actually was 
feasible to do other. Yeah, and then they also uh, added in the uh, Missing Link DLC is automatically done as part of the story instead of having it do it separately. So that's I, those are the three big changes in Director's Cut. I'm playing the original version because that's, I mean, that's the one I have. But from Caitlin's description, I really wish I had played the Director's Cut instead. So that well, makes see, you feel like you're not playing an aggressive approach. Who, me? Uh... No, no, I think he's referring to me. No, I I wanted to do as much uh, as much hacking as I could. Well, here, uh, let's let other people talk first. Wait, Brett, are you playing the original or the director's cut? Director's cut. So I'm the only person playing the original busted-ass version. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. How does that feel? How does that make you feel? It felt great until that boss battle. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. Yeah, I'm actually really happy you're playing the original version so that we can have oh. a different perspective on all the boss battles. Man, well, and it doesn't help that I'm bad at shooting games anyway and barely ever play them. And then I just I put my I put most of my talents into hacking and inventory space, and then I just hit this brick wall of Barrett with a gun arm, but not the Final Fantasy VII Barrett with a gun arm. And <laughs> oh man. Mm, okay, let's talk about something else, please. Yeah, we'll come back to Barrett. I really want to get into how we him, but I think first we should talk about our general approach. Mike, it sounds like you went passive. A little. Well, okay. Here's how I play every stealth game. I try to do stealth. I kill maybe one or two guys stealthily. Then I screw up and set an alarm and I have to shoot everyone else. And that's how I did basically every single stealth room in the game with, or let's say 80% of the stealth rooms in the game. So I have been playing like, I don't know, like I'm Inspector Clouseau or something and just bumbling my way through the game but somehow surviving. See, and I'm playing like a Terminator. I'm literally just strolling, like, casually walking through, headshot, headshot, headshot. Oh, you got close to me, I'll slice your neck open. Headshot, headshot. So violent, Josh. And, and you know, Josh, speaking of violent 80s robot movies, um, I get a serious RoboCop vibe from this game. Oh, 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 oh. Oh, absolutely. And also the fact that you go to Detroit. Oh, yeah. no, you're in, you're in Detroit. <laughs> you're you're like rebuilt into a superhuman murder machine. Well, um, oh, okay. Well, you're uh, there's corrupt police officers. I was built into a superhuman killing machine. Your face yeah, so, was built into a superhuman killing machine. Got him. I'm gonna take that as a compliment. It's so attractive. Well, God, Mike, it's great that you brought that up because did any of you guys fully explore the police station like all I, the way? What do oh, you mean yes. by fully explore? I explored I meant, as far as my rank 3 hacking could take me. I meant did you go into all the areas, even the ones that weren't related to the story, because there are two cops that are discussing old movies, and they never say it because they probably, you know, legal reasons, but they're clearly talking about RoboCop. And oh. I thought that was a wonderful little Easter egg to throw in there because you are essentially RoboCop. Yeah, it's game. Cool. Well, you're almost reverse RoboCop because RoboCop was a police machine that's, you know, attacking an evil industry, and now you're and you're sort of an industry supplied <laughs> machine man that works against the police sometimes. But it's I I mean just being in Detroit and how they set it up, I definitely got a RoboCop vibe, and that you know that's not a not a uh, an insult at all because RoboCop's awesome. Yes. I work for Dick Jones. Dick Jones. Your move, creep. Dead or alive, uh, you're coming with me. Yeah, so, um, and also it's, 
I mean, it's a little bit bleaker and more cyberpunky than RoboCop. When RoboCop was kind of a was a pretty gritty movie. At least the, the I've only seen the first two RoboCop movies. Um, good, good. Don't don't watch. Yeah, this. no, I've 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 heard the third I've heard the third one's horrible, and I heard yes. mixed reviews about I yes. heard mixed reviews about the recent one. But uh, and so it's like it's. You're sort of it's sort of Matrix with all of the trench coats and sunglasses. It's sort of RoboCop because it's you know it's a sort of a gritty Detroit, and you're uh, in, in in sort of and you have it's like very urban and how it's set up, and this this game had really has a cool vibe and style going for it. Like it's just walking around Detroit and listening and exploring and and you know running into gang activity and and stuff. It's the the nuts and bolts of just walking around in the open world is a lot of fun to me so far. Sneaking and then into I, apartment buildings. Except yes. for that you have to walk. That really yes. upsets me. What? I, what? I, I would, no, I would have liked if there were fast travel points. Like even if it was just even if it was just like your apartment building in the police station or something, I would have liked that a lot. Or you could like have wheels on your feet so you could ride around on a Segway. The world is Josh, unfortunately you are incorrect. Uh, are you it is walk dash walk dash Walk dash walk. What? Are you suggesting that you have those like wheelies inside sneakers that seven-year-old boys have? That'd be fantastic. Absolutely. Uh, all right. Cool. Well, I mean, Jensen already saying? kind of dashes with his basic non-dashing movement speed. He moves pretty quickly. But how does he ever dash? If you what? What do you mean? You dash. You no, you hold shift and then he dashes. Well, I'm playing on PC. So. Or it's well, it's like L uh, L2, I think. On you can tap it. Oh, uh, okay. Well, my guy walks. And you you can augment into <laughs> you can augment into increasing your stamina so you can dash for longer periods. Like but a I have boss. Josh is really taking the role playing aspect very seriously. <laughs> I just stroll around nice and slowly. Headshotting people, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Or I crouch because I feel like I don't want to get shot as I walk slowly. Well, my so are, you play, is... are you playing it like 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 Uncharted, sort of just as a cover murder fields game? Yep. Yeah, it's a combination right. between Halo and Gears of War for me. Sure. All right. I I've really enjoyed it though. I'm kind of annoyed. So, the one big thing I was worried about is you look at a lot of RPGs that are kind of like RPG slash shooting mechanics. Um, the number one thing that comes to my mind is Elf Protocol. And you aim, you go down the sights, and you shoot, and you have a headshot. Like, there's no way you can miss it. And then you, in the background, you see they roll a dice. And it's like, oh, you had a 30% chance of missing because you didn't have this stat up. And that, like, irritates me to no end. And thankfully, they don't do that. Um, yeah, on the on the shooting RPG continuum, this trends a little bit towards the shooting side. Yeah, there's uh, only... For the, for the basic action. There's uh, kickback and aim. I think is the other one. There's like there's only two stats that actually affects your shooting, but the base stat's fine to walk, roll through and just kill everybody by itself. You're um, talking about this game or Alpha Protocol? This game, Alpha Protocol okay. is terrible to shoot. Yeah. You can you can literally like stand next to somebody with a shotgun and you can miss, even though you're aiming at their chest. In Alpha yeah, Protocol. This feels more like a shooter where Alpha Protocol or Fallout Three have more RPG mixed in with the shooter. Well, Alpha Protocol's bad shooting. I don't think anybody ever shoots when they're not in VAT. Um, but, yeah, so I, I was really happy about that. I was That was my only concern going to this game, is that the shooting was just going to be terrible. Uh, which, it, it is floaty, and it's kind of... I mean, it, it's loose, but it's, it's 
more than capable to be fine. Yeah, the, the guns don't feel as good as they do in a Halo or a Far Cry, or at least to me. No, absolutely but, not. But it's but it's 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 serviceable. I never feel like the shooting's really badly working against me. No, and then that was that was my only concern going into because I knew from the beginning I was gonna go through this game by just murdering everybody. Um, and so that was that plan was gonna be severely hampered if I could shoot well. Um, but then the only th I guess the only complaint I have then on the flip side of that is. I feel like a lot of the skills are kind of just worthless then. Well, they're trying to facilitate three different styles of, of play that you can mix and match and combine. So combat, stealth, and hacking. So Which, which I understand, but I feel like they do uh, stealth and hacking. I don't feel like there's really stats for... There's Well, there are augmentations for, for combat. There are things that reduce... Uh, the uh, what um, the the re recoil from your guns? There are uh, ones that increase one... your your defensive capabilities. There are ones that make you run fa uh, run faster, run silent, things like that. That can be useful for combat. But I'm I mean I think one of the arm augments actually makes the reticule that your your or your aim steadier yes. on your arms. Yeah, and yeah, that's, yeah. And that yeah, and that helps a lot. Yeah. But I I've been rolling through. I just take a pistol and I wander through. Um, so I, I haven't had any of the recoil issues. I haven't had any of the aiming issues. So that that was. I mean, it's a really, really minor complaint. And well, I, I know. Okay. Let me let so, me turn it back to you. What would you have preferred to see combat-wise that you didn't? I, I honestly don't know because I I feel like it's a double-edged sword. If you put those mechanics in, then it angers me for the normal shooting. So I I'm kind of happy it is. But then there's there's moments like the police station where you have to have a certain level of hacking to kind of do things. Um, and so I kind of, if I was to be a fully like aggro character, like I wouldn't invest in those and I wouldn't be able to do it, but then I feel like it hampers the game. Wait, so, well, so did you, did you just shoot up the entire police station? No, I just, I strolled through it. <laughs> oh, okay. So you, I, you, I, I you... talked, so I realized, I looked at the achievements beforehand and I realized that almost every achievement you had to talk to somebody out, like talk somebody out of something. Right. Yeah. They, they, they. They maybe don't push it, but they seem to reward a non-violent playstyle and a negotiation-heavy playstyle. So yes, whenever anybody yeah. talks to me, I convince them to do what I want, and if they don't talk to me, I kill them. <laughs> oh my god. That, that, right, <laughs> I, that's, uh, that's one way to do it, I guess. Put out a bolo for Adam Jensen. <laughs> yeah, I, that's not really how I've been playing. Um, now... I. I I, I guess I, I started out frustra getting frustrated at some of the augment options, but for different things than you were getting angry at, Josh, I, I just didn't like like it when there was something that was unavailable to me. Like, if I ran into a, uh, a lock that I couldn't hack, it's like, well, this is some BS. So well, that, that, that led to me investing into hacking early. Mm -hmm. And uh, and the other thing that I I think I mentioned this before too the other thing that I was frustrated early on was one I was fr that frustrated me early on nah, I can't speak was inventory space yes. so I yeah, yeah that's so a problem so I I did some points into hacking some points into inventory space and then I think a point so that poison gas wouldn't kill me because that seemed helpful uh, and and I put nothing into shooting and nothing into stealth other than other than hacking stealth. So I 
I, I was able to hack basically anything I wanted to in the uh, uh, what was it? Um, something park uh, where the factory is. Highland Park. Highland Park. Yeah, Highland. Yeah, I was able to hack through everything in Highland Park just fine, except for I think one of the turrets. And I was able to do a bunch of hacking in the police station, which was which was pretty cool because I I I, I, spent, I feel like I just am reading emails all the time in this game. Read a lot. Yes. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of reading people's emails, which is sometimes you know cute and cool for flavor, and sometimes it's like, man, I just read the same IT update on like five police computers, and well, nobody listened to the update. Yeah, yeah, the, right. The, the game, you know, if it's an email you've already read based on the color of the email on the right. on the list, so you know, I don't bother. Caitlin, I have to read all of them. I but have you to have. Read all of so yeah, I did a lot of points into hacking, and, and for a while that was pretty cool, but then I ran into a wall named Barrett, and we can talk about him later. Barrett. That is a problem that the original version has, is that... You don't say. You can, you have all this freedom <laughs> elsewhere in the game, but you are forced into, you know, basically one path when you're fighting the bosses, and if you haven't been putting points, putting practice points into the right kind of augmentations, you can run to a wall. And they did fix that with the director's cut, which we'll talk about a little, a little bit, but I can certainly see how if you put all your points into hacking, which to be fair, I did too. I have most of my points into hacking and a little bit of stealth. I haven't really put a single point into any combat-related augmentations because my goal is to stealth kill, or not kill, but stealth knock out everyone in every area as much as I can because you do get more experience for non-lethal kills. So uh, the combat's a last resort to me. I haven't had to use my combat obligations yet. I will at some point, which is why I will eventually be buying them, but I'm kind of trying to prioritize the stuff that I know I need now, which hacking, yeah, hacking. And, you know, I uh, I didn't, I don't always notice this when I'm playing the game, but they, you know, they'll have the stealth and shooting segments into blocks like you know there'll be just a big open room then some hallways and another open room and there's you know sentries and guards and everywhere but like i remember the in one room i ended up having to shoot everyone because i screwed up but when i was exploring the room on my own there's nooks and crannies everywhere mm -hmm. the, the, um, like the level design really is set up so that there is always a stealth pathway somewhere and probably multiple stealth pathways. Mm -hmm. And so th th it makes that playstyle probably really rewarding, but I'm too dense to find those pathways and I'm too bad at shooting not to trip on alarms somewhere and end up having to, you know, to, to kill everybody. Just stumbling my way through Deus Ex Human Revolution. Well, that's certainly one way to do it. I mean... I don't know. I, it's hard for me because I played it, so I already know where all the pathways are. But yeah, I think the world design is really good with this game. Um, they certainly, I think they actually mentioned in some of the commentaries about how their design was to ha have it be dense with lots of stuff to sort of use the the world and the the appearance of the world as part as part of the world building mechanics so you didn't have to rely on just people talking to you to sort of get a sense for what this Detroit of the future is like. And that also I think extends to how they designed uh, the world for, for gameplay aspects because you do have all these different options available to you. It doesn't feel like other games where 
they give you the illusion of, you know, this big open space, but you're really funneled in down to one path and you kind of only had no choice but to take that path. There are so many different ways, like the police station. You can go in the front door, there's a, a, a side door uh, up on like the third story that you can hack uh, to, to get into there. I believe there's also a lower entrance, I think, that I got into at one point. There are sewers all over the place, so I think the world, the way they designed the world was really good. Even though, coming back to it now, it feels kind of small and a little bit closed off. Probably just, you know, that's part of the, the effect of coming back to a game that's a couple years old now, so... It's, I mean, it's not as vast or as richly detailed as some more recent open-world games, like, uh, oh, I don't know, maybe uh, not as much as a Red Dead Redemption, or a which is which is much huger than Detroit than Detroit in this game, or a uh, like one of the Arkham games where the space is a little larger and it's super dense with crap like Riddler clues. That's what but I was gonna go with was like Assassin's Creed or Arkham. Right. Yeah, Assassin's Creed is another really good example. It feels bigger and all, and mostly denser, especially since there's so many crowds and people in Assassin's Creed games. It, it feels like the towns in those games feel more populated than Deus Ex Detroit. But I, it's totally serviceable. And then, yeah. like Caitlin said, there's a lot of cool nooks and crannies. And I'm, I'm sure I haven't even explored 30% of it. Do, you, it, do you talk to all the people, all the NPCs? Not all of them, but any of them, but several of them, yes. Yeah. I found them relatively bland. Well, I mean, they're nameless NPCs. The reason I bring it up is that um, some of them, there's, you know, they're not all unique dialogue. There's a certain amount of repetition with some of the, like, the janitors in Seraph Industries in particular kind of have the same thing to say. But it's a, another way to sort of build the world without it being required. In your experience, you can totally ignore them, but you kind of learn little bits and pieces about the people that work in surf industries by talking to them, and they have they, their dialogue changes as you go through the different parts of the game. Like what they say before or right after you've dealt with the manufacturing plant, it will change once you've gone through FEMA, and they'll have new things to say. And I just was kind of like, hmm, I like this. That's interesting. And FEMA is the the last section that we did, right where Barrett was at the end. Yeah, basically. Right. Okay, yeah. I thought so. Yeah, it's that was that was a little bit surprising when the sort of the the end of that, like, oh, now there's some random office employees that are sometimes unarmed that I have to avoid now. Oh well, you're getting stun gunned. <laughs> it's so we kind of skipped over it. Uh, Brett, what was your playstyle going through this? Ghost baby, silver tongued ghost, uh, hacking. Uh, invested in the uh, social enhancer, I guess is the best way to describe it. The case um, mod, yeah. Yeah, so uh, non-lethal, uh, making sure to not be detected or to knock them out to get them out of a line of sight where I could sneak around and and still do my thing. Uh, I went through all three floors of the police station so I could steal stuff and go through the fence, and I ended up with a stupid amount of credits because I figured out that as long as you don't have the gun in your inventory, you can continuously go pick up guns and sell them for price or nice premium instead of just collecting the ammo and then them being gone forever. So a lot of my playthrough actually was going and selling many <laughs> guns because I have a compulsion. Nice. 
I have almost I have the opposite compulsion. I try to keep almost every gun I pick up, and that's a problem. I should probably have I should probably have half as many guns as I do own. Yeah, definitely you're not trying to kill people. Well I'm I end up always having to kill people and I killed so many people that I ended up trying to fight Barrett with almost no ammunition left. <laughs> Alright, so we keep talking about Barrett. I feel like we should actually discuss how I, we beat Barrett. I, 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 I want to talk about this first, because it, um, to break down how long I played this game, I spent about two days doing everything up to Barrett, maybe two and a half days, and then a full day and a half of just trying to clear that boss battle. Oh my gosh. I was, I was miserably bad at it. I was... You... I, it, <laughs> I, I emptied every ounce of ammunition I had to, into him, then uh, picked up some more that was lying around, and then tried to do it again. I figured out, oh, he, I can stun him with these barrels and grenades, and I, I started to do a little better, but still couldn't do it. I uh, accidentally exploded grenades next to my head a couple times and died. <laughs> Uh, because one of, cause one of the one of the fire barrels is hidden in this little alcove that has like a garage door that's a little bit down, and I kept trying to throw it out the garage door, but about half the time it would hit the ceiling and explode in my face. So that that happened a few times. It's I <sighs> I ended up having to um, go back into the FEMA lab, fi find some more guns, and pick them up. And then be really careful running around and throwing every loose barrel and grenade that was in the room at him. And then I finally managed to kill him. It was not fun. It was like it, very late at night or early in the morning yesterday. And if, if there's any more boss battles like him, I don't know if I can make it through this game. So um, I There are, but now that you're aware that that's an issue, you can start strategically uh... you don't like if you're if you're worried about not being able to get all the upgrades you want by d trying to do non-lethal and hacking and getting all the experience you can you can get almost everything that you want in a single playthrough it's... sure but I, I think i've already missed like one quest by accident and i'm i'm not i'm really bad at playing non-lethal so i'm sure i'm getting inefficient levels of exp i I'm almost worried I should start this over because no, I've been... no, no! Don't feel like you have to do that. Just start shooting everybody; it works better. <laughs> so, like, no see, joke. No, no, you see, I I usually end up shooting everybody, but I would prefer not to. I'm just so bad at not shooting that I end up having to shoot. So I, I would be a terrible police officer. I did the Barrett fight twice. The first time, I think I shot him five times in the head with a sniper rifle and he died. <laughs> And then I decided to replay because I figured it would be important for the conversation. I used my rocket launcher on him, and I think I shot him a couple times, and he died. Yeah, I didn't have a sniper rifle or a shotgun. I had two kinds of pistols, a combat rifle, and a stun gun. Okay. Yeah, that, that would be rough. Yeah, and I, uh, I, ended up, I ended up having to really strategically using the fire barrels and shot grenades and uh, fire extinguishers that were in the room with him. Since you're doing non-lethal, you need concussion grenades, man. It knocks them all out, and then by the time they recuperate, you can get the cover. I'm I'm not really doing non-lethal. I'm I'm mostly lethal because I I'm so bad at being non-lethal. <laughs> you're you're an you're accidental. Doing, you're doing lethal. a non-dying run. Yeah, it's, survivalist. 
like I'm I know this is just I'm like I'm telling you I'm stumbling through this game because whenever I try to do something a certain way I end up screwing up and having to just shoot everyone in the room. It's it's a huge mess, but it's a Salosi run. Yeah, sure. That's the old the old Salosi special, like going in there intending to save all the hostages, but everyone ends up dying. Uh, well, actually, I did. I did save those hostages in the first building. That was a really nice surprise. That yeah. first building. Oh yeah. Because because you're like, oh, I'm just gonna do this, and then it, it releases the gas immediately. And so it was one of those like, oh, I'm I'm I've done enough hacking now. I kind of understand how this goes. Not a pro yet, but I'm I I got it. You and all of a sudden, like gas releases. You can sneak in through the vent, and it uh and it doesn't trigger the gas. Yeah. Yeah. I, I walked through the door. Well, they can also all be dead by the time Even you get they there. Said, Don't walk through the door. Um, if you take too much Don't time, listen to people. Um, if you take too much time in Seraph Industries before you leave to go there, they'll already be dead when you get oh, there. That's interesting. And that was interesting. This is one of the reasons why I think the director's cut's really cool is hearing the commentary. Like I didn't know the backstory behind this. Or apparently, originally, there wasn't supposed to be a uh, consequence for you taking too much time, and they realized it kind of late and we're like crap we, this isn't going to work we can't say we're creating this game where your choice matters if this really important choice doesn't have any effect so they had yeah, to because while and, you're while you're wandering around david Seraph will come on your intercom and he's yelling at like you that. like adam yeah. get your ass out here um and they they talked about like for them it was getting people back to re-record dialogue so that they could you know talk about the consequences but that was an interesting hmm. thing and I, I never, um, I didn't meander, I didn't take, I think it had to be like 15 minutes before you leave in order for them to die. So I didn't actually realize that they could be dead already when you got there. But yeah, I, I knowing just that, that it just came down to kind of how you interacted with the people in that room below them. Yeah. And then if you disarm the bomb or not. Yeah. Or but like that's... you went in stealthily or not. Yeah. Huh. With what you're saying in mind, I'm actually very surprised that they didn't all die because I was so focused on trying to hack for EXP, get loot, sneak around, big money, no whammies. Hmm. Yeah, I wonder. I'm, do I'm doing a lot works. of. I'm doing a lot of hacking. It's like the one thing my character is good at is because I've invested some points into it. I'm getting the hang for the mini game. Hacking is fun and rewarding in this game. Gives you a lot of experience. Yeah, yeah, and, and goodies too. Um, you'll you'll end up with a ton of the um, the nukes and the stop uh, viruses by the end of the game. Like I had so many of them my first playthrough because you get them f sometimes for hacking and you'll pick them up in different places. And so so I mean, one piece of advice is don't be afraid to use those. Don't feel like you have to hoard them because you'll you'll pretty much be set with them for the most part. Yeah, because I've maximized my, uh, I guess, stealth capability, so like my uh, my percentage for tripping the alarm while hacking is actually a lot lower, so yeah. the, the nukes I don't use as frequently. Yeah. I usually rely on the stop viruses more than anything. Yeah. Yeah, I, if you look at my character, it looks like I'm a hacker, because I realized that that was a really easy way just to kind of game the system for experience. Yeah. Um, and still be able to play the way I wanted to. Yeah, the experience, it's a little bit oh, um, unbalanced because you get you get too much of it, really, if you do 
non-lethal and hack everything you can. Like, I, I mentioned you can get almost every upgrade you want by the end of the game. And that's, I, I don't know how feasible that is if you go lethal and do combat and don't hack as much. Um, and I don't know what the breakdowns are, but it, it, it does definitely feel like you're rewarded more for being non-lethal in some mm -hmm. respects. But then again, I mean, it's, they could have required it. They could have made it very much like if you don't stealth things, you're screwed. But they didn't. They give you the option to go in guns blazing and treat it like, a, like an FPS if you want to. So, and that's one of the nice things about this game versus, you know, other games in sort of the same semi-stealth, semi-shooting genre. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've liked that about it. Um, but it, for me, since I am going in kind of guns blazing, it creates a huge pacing issue. Because I'll go through and I'll, I'll clear out an area and then I'll go back through it to kind of go through and hack all these computers and whatnot. And where I'm guessing you guys kind of are like, there's more of that kind of slower pace to it, so that blends in better. But when you go through like killing like 15 people in like a minute, and there's this huge long like downtime as I go through like there's 10 computers in this room, I'm gonna hack all of them and move on. So it just kind of, I don't know, I'd complain, I guess. <laughs> no, that makes sense. I yeah, I, I go through things gradually as I as I come across them, um, as long as it's safe to do so. Well, your upgrades can can tailor to that style of play because you can make this a full-fledged action game. You don't have to make this a, much of a role-playing game at all. Uh, you you can go through it. You can get the combat element, and then you have dialogue choices. But it's not like you're ever going to run into a dialogue choice that's going to stop the game. This isn't like a you know one of those adventure books. Turn to page thirty-six. Uh oh, the slime dissolved you. Like you you're going to have a consistent experience. And that's what's cool about having all these different options is that, like, because I actually kind of halfway started a, a loud and lethal playthrough. And my, like, it took me like a third of the time to finish the warehouse because I was going through and mowing people down as it did whenever I was doing the stealth mode. But you think you had less experience overall in quantity? Yeah, my, most likely I did, and because I didn't focus too much on the uh, exploration aspect because I already knew. Now, of course, I was still going through lockers because my body tells me to do that, and I can't ignore it. <laughs> right, but, I've um, been there. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, but beyond that, you know, it's... Yeah, I, I wasn't focusing so much on that because I kind of knew what the end game was anyway since I've been... Since I was meticulously going through... And restoring saves to have you know a ghost playthrough, basically you know where every in the level you can't be seen, you you um, and that's how you get that additional experience. So yeah, and I, I think I, isn't there an achievement for like beating the entire game with uh, with, with getting those that those experience bonuses? Pr probably uh, that I don't know. I, I wouldn't doubt I, it. Though. I think it's I know there's one for getting through a whole segment without being seen. Oh okay. I'm I, not I, sure I if it's the whole game or not. Can't remember. I know when I looked at those, I was like, well, those aren't just not going to happen. <laughs> right. So I just kind of ignore them. But that's why I concentrated on at least getting the conversational ones. And also I figured there, there's something to be said about, like, either side of the playthroughs, you can kind of, I guess, if you went really stealthily and really actionally, I could see there's an option that you could possibly miss out on stuff, like, conversationally. 
And that's why I wanted to make sure I had those those points, at least for that, so I could have the full dialogue trees. Be able to experience all that, because right. that's where the interactive fun part of the story, I figured, would come in. Right, and like Brent mentioned, there's no real fail states that result from conversations, but they definitely change details that might come into play later with char certain characters surviving or not surviving, or like maybe even the Telltale Games thing of, oh, uh, he's going to remember that you said that. <laughs> like, they, I, I'm sure there's some of that that's going to play later. Oh, yeah. But uh, so I guess that's the really important question. What did everybody do for with Sanders? And that Sanders. Sanders was, was the like, guy who was leading right. the, the takeover. Yeah. Yeah. I, how many Latino guys do you know named Sanders? But uh, what? It's Detroit, dude. Oh. And oh, it's right. it's not like Detroit now. It's Detroit future. It's much worse. Uh, mm. There's there's well, there's well, people no, that names don't even make sense anymore. Detroit wasn't bad, but it looks like that uh, that. What's his name? Seraph Industries is really revising it since Detroit's now a like an augmentation hotbed instead of being an you know, automotive industry hotbed, which is I thought it was an interesting uh, approach. But anyway, with Sanders, I uh, I managed to talk him out of letting his hostage go, and so I, I let him go. And then I met him in an alley later where he gave me a uh, uh, one of those per like one of those PDAs uh, or whatever they call them in this game. Pocket secretary. Pocket secretaries. He gave me a, po a few pocket secretaries that gave me codes for the Highland Park building, which was which was helpful. I I I don't know if he'll be back or not, but he seems we seem to have a pretty good rapport considering that we had a Mexican standoff like hours earlier. <laughs> well, I mean, you remember that after um, after that occurs, you know, you get the notification from Pritchard that someone left a, a note about having some information. Then you go visit yeah, him mm -hmm, again later yeah. down the alleyway. Yeah, yeah, but I guess that that's only if you you know left on okay terms and he survived. Yeah, okay. that that only because yeah that only happens if he leaves the standoff alive. So did all of us then get that standoff to end that way? Josh, I did. I told you oh, every conversation. Oh, okay. If somebody talks oh, to me, right, they will right. live. Okay. <laughs> If they decide to carry a gun and not have a conversation with me, dead. Oh, right. My, I forgot. Sorry. But I was... That was the first time I thought about it, and it's, it's occurred a couple conversations after that. I wish there was moments like uh, Mass Effect. Specifically Mass Effect 2, I always think of uh, uh, Shepard headbutting a Krogan. <laughs> yeah. And I, I wanted a couple of those, because it's like... Somebody's like, you know, giving me a little sass. I want to, like, shoot him in the face. Or like that. There's times, like, Sanders is like... Oh, I don't know. And he like puts his gun out. I was like, dead. You shouldn't have like. I wish there was kind of those more interactive moments. But other than that, I, I I like the conversations. You want those renegade moments? Yep. Oh yeah. You're basically saying this game should have quick time events added. Well, they weren't quick time uh, events. They were more so like. Those are I'm quick going, time events. No, they're I'm going to interrupt this uh, conversation tree. Right. I'm ending it here. I'm either going to do something good or bad, but I am going to end it. It's, it's just kind of like I, I understand interpreting the Paragon and Renegade stuff not as quick time events, but I I my feelings on those are Mass Effect, God of War, and Resident Evil Four are the only games that are allowed to have quick time events in them. But, uh, uh, no, God of War, no, no. God, yeah. God, God of War boss battles sometimes have really good quick time events, like the like the Kronos battle in uh, God of War Three is awesome. And it's a good quick time event is a misnomer, in my opinion. You just want to sure. rip somebody's eyes out as you rip their head off? Is that what you're saying? 
I just no, that's, well, no, uh, that, that 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 doesn't happen in the. Chrono. That's Helios, right? That, he uh, that. That's yeah, Helios and God Helios. of War three. You don't yeah. rip his eyes out; you just rip out his head and then use it as a lantern. Yeah, which is kind of awesome. Uh, uh, off topic, but as, so sorry. Oh, yeah, you're saying you wanted to rip someone's head off in this game and use it as a lantern. Yes, no, exactly. I would have been ecstatic about that. Put some little augments in it that I have a little glow lamp. Yeah, you're you're fighting some augmented person that has just light coming out of his eyes and rip out his, rip out his head, and that's basically permanent flashlight. I can like put some cords in it, plug it in, use it as a USB drive. Yeah. <laughs> uh, wow. <laughs> that that would be interesting. Um, but yeah, the the conversations are it's. I, I would also maybe appreciate a little bit more of an in-depth system, and we'll see what they do in Mankind Divided, because in some respects it's pretty simplistic. You have a limited number of responses, um, you don't always really have the option to say things, Simpsons will sometimes talk for you. Um, the social battles, though, that you can do uh, throughout the game, there's a handful of them, um, are really cool, because you can, you can well, Losing won't stop you from progressing the game, but you can fail them. And if you clear them, you usually get benefits. Like the big one, the first one is um, Wayne Haas, the police station. If you convince him, he'll let you in and you won't trigger any alarms when you go in. But you can also fail it and you'd be forced to find another way to get where you need to go. I, I think I failed that one. I, I, uh, I got him really upset with me, and he, w he wouldn't let me in. Um, <laughs> even but I, uh, he wasn't the first one I did, though. There was also the police the police officer in the lobby. Wagner. That, uh, and, al and also the retired police officer that works at an apartment now. Mm -hmm. when, you're, when you're trying to find Megan's uh, uh, evidence from Megan's murder. You wanted the locker key code for that, yeah. Yeah, I, I, pa yeah, I, I passed those guard. okay. I passed well, those okay, those, but, uh, but, but Haas those, got really mad at me, so I had to sneak in through the sewer and hack and hack a bunch of doors to get into the police station. Those aren't social battle, those. Wayne Haas is... No. Social battles will be the ones where you never see Jensen. It's always from his perspective as he's watching the character talking so, to them. So The little squares, right? Oh, and, and the camera would sort of drift around with his movement. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, those right. are social battles. So, like, Sanders is a, is a social battle, Wayne is a social battle. If you um, if you talk to Pritchard and he, right after FEMA, and he tells you about the back door that Seraph has, and you confront Seraph, that's a social battle. There's only, there's only, like, a handful of them in the game, and you'll know that they're social battles because it's always first person from Jensen's perspective. Seraph and Sand, and, uh, Seraph and Pritchard are so shady. I don't trust either of them. Oh. No, they. I'm positive one or both of them is going to betray me at the end. It's, yeah. I'm not, I'm not I'm, saying I'm not gonna, I'm not going to let the last story happen to me again, and I'll trust a character that eventually becomes the final boss. No, not again. I mean, Pritchard is an ass. No one is going to argue that. But it's kind of funny to watch him and Jensen banter with each other. It's like he's just arguing with an uncooperative IT uh, employee. Well, that's essentially what he is, though. Well, yeah, but... <laughs> so they did a really good job, then. Yeah, there's My just favorite a lot of... dialogue is uh, whenever he's... Um, whenever they're trying to find the uh, broadcasting tower, and then he calls for him, and then Adam's like, how can I help you, Francis? Yes! I love and, that part. And he's like, 
oh, do you mean the back door that is compromising your security measures? Like, yeah. so as matter-of-factly. That was really good. Yeah. There's a lot the of snark. office... There's a lot of office snark in general in this game. Since uh, mo a lot of the main characters are members of this, you know, employees at the same company, and you're always just reading work emails, there's a lot of just office nonsense in Deus Ex. Or no, maybe there isn't. Maybe I'm just crazy. No, 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 there is. There definitely is, so... You're not wrong there. I've had an office job for a couple of years now, so, you know, office space is a lot funnier to me now. I'm just seeing office crap everywhere I go. If there's an office, it has to have snark. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, everyone would go crazy. It's true. Snark absolutely offices true. are Too the best offices. In my opinion. What offices? A oh, serif? Snark. Oh, snark. She was agreeing snark. with you. <laughs> sorry, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, it's... I, I only listen to about a third of what you guys say. It's one of the so, few times that Caitlin yeah. actually agreed with somebody. What? I agree with people all the I'm, time. Yeah, I'm used to <laughs> Just because I don't well, always agree us. with you. Yes, exactly. You never agree with me. <laughs> I agree. I have agreed with you on some things. That's that. But come on. The only thing I think you like. Do you see now? Do you see the snark taking everyone over slowly? Yes. Yeah. Most of your conversations with Josh end in threats, but. Yes. There, there's some there's some office snark in Deus Ex, and that's pretty dope. Yeah, yeah. There's there's like a that underlying humor. It's like a dry humor almost, which I can respect. Um, definitely not like, hey, I'm gonna have like a laugh out loud moment. And they're not throwing internet memes in in our in inappropriate places. Which yeah. is yeah, which makes me cringe every time I see that in a. Uh, in a video game Ugh. which is, i think is good too because it's it's one thing to be like hey this this game is happening today this this game is definitely not happening today so you wouldn't want to have some sort of humor that is not even popular now it was popular six months ago because that's when they were making the game um so yeah I, th I thought they did a good job kind of avoiding all of that yeah the dialogue fe um usually feels like it could be real dialogue uh which is you know pleasant because sometimes Sometimes video game dialogue is so bad that you're just rolling your eyes the entire game. Yeah, although Jensen's kind of a jerk. I, I roll my eyes a lot of times with like where he decides to go with the conversation. <laughs> and he only really has one tone of voice, like he's the mayhem commercial guy. Well, I, I just picture that like in his destruction, his like vocal cords kind of got burned up a little bit. They, they didn't do like a full transfer over because they didn't decide it was worth it. So it just sounds like he, he's got that he gruff. He has like an out of date larynx, so he his only tone of voice is gruff monotone. Yeah. And they and uh <laughs> and they probably gave him sunglasses so his he wouldn't just have a dead eye stare the whole time. I do wish that sometimes they weren't on and he ended a conversation with like a real zinger and like the sunglasses just slide down and he turned and walk deal away. Deal with it sunglasses. <laughs> oh yeah. sort of, or sort of like a revert like a reverse deal with his sunglasses or a reverse CSI Miami. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, okay. So, talking, speaking about Adam, what do you, aside from his perpetually gruff voice, which that is, I was surprised to learn, it is kind of the way the voice actor Elias Texas actually speaks. Sure, um, <laughs> it makes sense. But uh, aside from that, what I mean, we haven't gotten through all that a lot of the game so there's still you know stuff to learn but so far what's your perception of adam as a character and as a you know protagonist in this style of game 
I, I like Adam, but I mean, as far as other characters who've had a, a lot of more depth or flavor, I mean, uh, may, maybe it's just too early to make the determination. Uh, Adam's just kind of a run-of-the-mill, you know, ex-authority figure kind of thing. Um, you know, I like how he has his little jabs and kind of where you can guide the conversation to being him being more uh, positive or negative. You know, I, I don't, I haven't seen enough of the conflict of him being augmented, you know, more or less against his will. You know, you 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 see signs of it. You you have dialogue in relation to it, but I, I don't feel like I'm at a point right now where uh, I fully understand like if if he how he really feels about it. And maybe we'll see that later on. I I'd almost assume that we're not going to see it. Unless we're making it ourselves, because it's one of those things that we're, it, he, he's almost a borderline blank slate for us to create his reactions on things. And I'm Mrs. Reed, that name sticking out to me, like the conversation he has with her about like how he is doing. That's that's yeah, that Megan's yeah. mother. Yeah, Megan's yeah. mother. Yeah, right. Okay. It, it's one of those things like you and uh, the conversation with the helicopter pilot. A lot of those conversations, you're Burrito. kind of. You're creating whether or not he is happy with his situation or his general outlook on it. I think Malik has a crush on him. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, totally. yeah she totally does. She's into that. But uh, yeah. can can I completely side rail this? Sure, go for it. I mean, it, come on, you're the host, so you don't have right. to ask. All right, he doesn't really have arms. Like he has metal arms, right? Yeah. And he can get upgrades everywhere else. Where is this going? I already saw oh, it. No, 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 no. Remember, we have to keep this PG-13, okay? Then why'd you give me permission to talk about what I wanted? I, I, I didn't know that you were going to cross a certain line. I didn't cross a line. Whatever. I think He's that... staring at the other side of it. I think that if that option was there in the game, uh, Malik would be interested in exploring it with him. No matter but, what. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, she's she's into into him, uh, but I I think most of the uh, most of the other characters are maybe a little dry. Um, he Adam comes across as sort of business like to me. He's like, all right, this is my job. I'm just gonna I'm gonna you know follow the clues and do what my bosses say. But uh, and and some of the you know silent stuff around him he, do, he doesn't react to things much but you could interpret that sort of as him brooding and maybe like maybe that is indicating the you know his existential pain yeah <laughs> but uh it, a lot of i think josh mentioned this it, a lot of it is player interpretation exactly how much pain or struggle he's feeling and w whether you whether it seems like he's really suffering deeply or not but uh so far it's i I, I don't there's there's not I, don't, I haven't found anything I'd call a deal breaker like uh, the, the characters are mostly fine Adam's mostly fine the action's pretty good except for that boss battle that is gonna give me nightmares <laughs> oh. and uh, uh, but yeah it's a lot of the character stuff is pretty cool in this game in a lot of regards Adam Jensen actually reminds me of uh, Master Chief because oh, really? you have that yeah you have that whole kind of and I'm talking like original saying. Master Chief, not for like I'm going to do whatever I can to save Cortana. Um, where he has that kind of soldier cop background that he has like occasional kind of like almost quippish responses, but not like full on joking. 
and not full on like I'm disappointed that I have to do this, but there is a code that he has to follow. There's a set of rules that he has to do, a set of orders that he has to like listen to. And he... Are we gonna get into Asimov's laws of robotics here eventually? So I'm actually kind of waiting for that. So I'll, I'll get into that in a second. But like, that that was actually where I was kind of drawing a lot of comparisons. Like he's obviously more human than I think Master Chief, at least the first couple ups, like the first couple games of Master Chief. But yeah. there there is a lot of comparisons I think you can draw that it you have that rigid. I have to do this because I was told to do this. Um, do you think that uh, I don't know this for sure? Like, it is I mean, th this goes into me being suspicious of Seraph and uh, uh, and what's his name? Um, the Pritchard. IT guy. Yeah, Pritchard. This goes back to me being suspicious of them. I wonder if there's a like a would you kindly situation where he is forced to follow their orders but isn't really aware of it. That's exactly what I was going to say. Because when you go to the, the limb place. Yeah, and there's the there's the hacked guy. Well, uh, not even even before then. In the warehouse, there's the guy that is being controlled remotely. Right. And we, and at the limb place, he gets these uh, updates that Seraph, you know, had, uh, you know, set aside for him or whatever. I don't remember exactly how that, what the details of that are. But, th I mean, because you know people can be controlled from that hacker that uh, who's corpse you raid and uh and and you know like <laughs> and the possibilities set forth by this world that has augmentations and uh and cyborgs it's i don't know there we could have a uh would you kindly sit down like thing going on for those of you that played bioshock oh, spoilers i, I did so, think about that, that, game, though, that game is that game is 2007 statute of limitations is over uh, I did think about that though at the limb because they're like you understand that we had to put a couple extras in or like a couple like I don't, I don't remember how they phrased it but she said something in a way of almost like there's a couple things that you might not be happy that we did but we had to do it yeah and then then I was like oh wow they're, like they're they're going like full there is a directive keep it PG thirteen keep it PG thirteen well I think it's no 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 like I was gonna say there's like there's a full directive like at some point they can overrule what he wants to do hmm. I wasn't going dirty with it. No, it was supposed. It's always supposed to be up to him. I was worried. When he anything. activates them, they just they already kind of installed them, but it's up to him to decide when he wants to actually activate them. That's what. Right. No, I, I get that, and that's they quickly switched from that. But at first, I thought there there was going to be like allusion to there's behavioral overrides. But maybe well, there is. But you'll 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 see. Although there's a certain amount of like, you get the sense that. Sarah put a lot more into him than he actually needed to in order to have him survive. And that's probably intentional and is a little bit seedy on Sarah's part. And I don't know, I, well, I, I won't say anything about whether what happens later, but you definitely, especially with that comment, like, oh, by the way, there are these other augmentations that we went ahead and put into you. You had to activate them on your own, but they're there already just because you might need them. It's kind of like, he probably didn't need all this stuff just to survive. You were really just wanting to load him up with all of this crazy stuff because either you wanted to test it for yourself or you were just kind of Seraph playing God a little bit, but... Also, why do I have to pay for it? Why can't I expense this to the company? Well, he gave you a stipend to help pay for it. For one of them. I don't know, I feel like all of them should be free. Times are hard. Get like me and get all those guns one by one and sell them to the guy <laughs> in the apartment complex. 
Um, that was that was always I I knew you could do that, but that was just like I thought was way more trouble than it was worth to do that because it, it sure was. But I have like thirty thousand credits now. <laughs> Good grief! You you'll be able to buy all the Praxis kits you want. Keep them wandering. It's not too enough. Much. It's never enough. Uh huh. I need more credits. And I know this is this is video games, but I'm a billion dollar man. Like they built me. So much money, why can't I climb a fence? You mean a six million dollar man? No, you need, yeah. You need to get an augmentation. He's more expensive than that. You can okay. jump over it. Yeah, if you get the jumping augmentation. Oh. You, there is a hole in one of the, in a couple of the fences you can crawl through, and then the others like have locks you can hack. Fences aren't an issue. Yeah, they always give you another way to get somewhere. Well, I just found it annoying. Because I walked up to this fence, it's like, oh, this will open. Oh, no, doesn't open. I moved like a box in front of it. Can't jump over it. I'm like, well, this is annoying. So you what have, you're you have, saying is you have six million dollar arms, but you can't rip apart a chain link fence. That's saying, not even locked. You're saying the fence was offensive. No, no, don't, don't, don't respond to her. She wins if you respond to her. I thrive on drones. They give me pleasure. Ah, uh, there. Happy, I groaned for you. Thank you. That's what I live for. <sighs> you live for awkward groans and CSI Miami references. <laughs> That's uh, I don't not the la I don't watch that show. Did you I say I don't not watch that show? I don't watch that show is what I said. That's what she meant to say that she don't watch. She don't not watch it. Ugh. No. We really don't need to explore double negatives on this podcast. Yeah. I don't think so. Unless yeah, so... Josh really wants to. Sure. Okay. So, no. No. All right, let's do it. Okay, now no. some languages, double negatives are actually a regular negative, like in Russian. Okay. Uh, That's interesting. Mm -hmm. Can you explain that further? But in no language is a double positive mean a single negative, unless you unless you like attach sarcastic uh, connotation to it, like saying "Yeah, right." Usually means a negative, but that doesn't really make sense. In That's a, a double positive. Yeah, yeah, double positive does not make a negative unless you attach a sarcasm or an ironic connotation to it. Okay. Or kappa. This is this is not Deus Ex Human Linguistics, okay? Okay. Ooh, now that sounds dirty. I bet the conversation battles in that game would be amazing. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, anyway, um, I actually I like Adam more than I think I thought I would when I first played the game. Um, I feel like the whole gruff voice is a little bit of a cliche, like the the you know kind of well the gruff hero and whatnot. Um, you you get kind of used to it, but at first it's kind of like more of roughness. It's interesting, and I can't say why yet, because you guys haven't gotten there yet, but there's some interesting things about him and his backstory that make him just a little bit more of an intriguing protagonist than if they had gone the route of just a true blank slate. It's They do, I think, a good job of sort of straddling the balance of giving you backstory for his character that is referenced in the game, but still letting you play with it a little bit. Like, he, like you, know, you mentioned how you can control how he reacts to being augmented in a couple of conversations. You can either be like, this is awesome, or this sucks, I hate it. So it's, and it's nice that they give you that freedom to 
do a little bit of character creation and role play, but still have some background that they've established uh, for the game for him. Even before that, in the, in the intro, I, I thought they did a good job with building that relationship between you and Megan very, very quickly. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. They, they don't even smack you in the face with it. Like, there's lots of illusions. Um, so, I, I thought that was very interesting, too. Because most games, especially... And I, I keep thinking this is a shooter because that's how I'm playing it. Most shooters are very in-your-face. This is what's happening. This is how things are. You're just going to deal with it. Or we're just going to ignore it completely. And I thought there was, they did a, they were very coy with how they described everything. And, and I, I like that. Um... And also going to what Caitlin was saying before, you a little bit of his personality does come across in the conversations you have with other characters, but I don't think I felt it as much because with every conversation I felt like I was trying to win the conversation, and and maybe I didn't really have a very uh, consistent per, uh, personality as a result. Like I, I was forceful or sympathetic or uh, you know complimentary based on. Uh, what I thought would get me the best results instead of, you know, being more consistent with his personality. But, uh, yeah. Uh, so, I would make the argument that that is consistent. I don't know, like, I, I feel like in real life, if I knew you were, you were very strong on this, like, we'll say politically or religiously or something. If in the conversation, I might not fully agree with you, but I'm going to lead towards that. Whereas, like, if I'm talking to Caitlin, I know she's the opposite. I will hedge my bets towards that. I, I feel like that's perfectly fine. You're still, quote-unquote, role-playing in that regard. Yeah, I, but, I mean, it feels a little inconsistent when you can, uh, when I'm switching tones back and forth. But it, uh, it, 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 like I said before, nothing, none of his actions or tones really felt like a deal-breaker to me. I thought I thought I think most of the dialogue is pretty good. Yeah, it's definitely thought provoking because yeah, there's I mean the underlying theme of the game is this question of are augmentations should we allow them are they moral should we be you know uh, messing with our own evolution and whatnot and oh that is uh, that's not only in the background of the game but it's also present within Adam as a character which was a really cool way to have a sort of a microcosm of a theme that's already being explored at a larger level in the world. Because you're surrounded by all this, you know, all these news and debates about should we be allowing augmentations. But then you also get it on a personal level with, with Adam. So, so and I, I'm probably one of the few people in the world that actually likes this game, but that conversation reminds me of Too Human. Oh, wow. You probably are one of the few people that yeah. like that game. I mean, I, I, uh, oh, okay, well, yeah, keep going. I, but I have another Silicon Knights comment to make. Okay. So the whole point of that was like, you, do you go the route of becoming fully cybernetic or you get caught in being too human? And then there's supposed to be that gradient of how it, like, it never was fully realized, but it was one of those things like, based off of how much augments you put into your body everybody would react differently to you and that's i i guess the very if we wanted to go that route with this the only kind of disappointing thing with this with deus ex because you could say this was forced upon me i'm going to choose to do no augments and if that was like a story element right 
and people Whereas, would react differently to you. Right. That yeah, would have been there, cool, yeah. Yeah, there there isn't really a branching upgrade pathway that way, no. uh, like like that. You're always augmenting yourself to better yourself. Right. And there's and there's no negative consequence of doing that. Right. And that and that, that like I think there's lots of things that Two Human did terribly, but that whole idea, like conceptually, is such a wonderful idea. Um, to be able to say like I can do X, and it'll make the game easier, but then these group of people will no longer like like me i won't be able to be able to have them in my party later on or whatever like having those far-reaching like conversation pathways like you're going or, through or like having factions that would respond to you differently based on your level of humanity or level of augmentation and you and maybe the option to even side with a you know a purity right. group or something right and like so if we'll use jsx as an example you could at some point side with sanders because you feel like Seraph and like the government or whatever treated you wrong and forced you into a uh, like augmentation that you don't believe in, so you're fighting the man. But that's something that like it's not. And I grant I understand this a couple years ago. And there's like constraints they had to put on the game. But that's something just something that's not an issue. Like you can't that can't be something. Or like when you're walking around the city and there there's gangs that hate people that are augmented. Like, if you could choose to not augment or take it out or do something so that you could start siding with those people more. Yeah, but there's nothing really like that in this game. But, no. uh, what, was, is there something like that in maybe the original Deus Ex? Because I, I know very little about that. I, I think I know that the Illuminati are the bad guys, and that's about it. I never I actually played the original Deus Ex. Okay, games, yeah, so, I don't know. Yeah. It'd be cool if there was something like that in there, but I don't know. Uh, but. Back on the Silicon Knights, I I never played to I never played Two Human, but I did play their game after Two Human, which was uh, X Men Destiny. Yeah, that was terrible. Is, yeah, it was one of the most disappointing games I've ever played. I was hoping it would be like a successor to Marvel Ultimate Alliance and X Men Legends, but it ended up just being uh, a you know a garbage fire. Yeah. But that thinking about that, there I think that there is a connection that you can make between Deus Ex and X Men. Because X-Men, or at least, you know, a lot of the X-Men classic storylines are mutants being a new type of person that are getting persecuted heavily by the government or by element by elements within the government. And there's, you know, pr there's, uh, there's militant uh, evil terrorist mutants like, you know, Magneto's Brotherhood. And there's sympathetic good mut uh, mutant supporters like the like Professor X and his organizations and a lot of what goes on those stories are you know mutants um like mutants being a new thing in a world that's hostile to them and the and the individual struggles of them that i, I don't know i just got a the slightest of x-men vibes from this game especially since there is a uh, a senator or whoever that guy uh, that guy who's sort of the government the politician that's really against augmentation tired yeah, yeah, him. Like, there's, yeah, t there's like a, there is a, a, a Taggart character in the Marvel Comics uni universe, or several of them. Yeah. That, uh, that, op that oppose, you know, mutants and superheroes and things. And that's, I don't know, that's just something that entered my brain during your two human conversation. But there's, there's a lot of ways you could explore the, is aug augmentation good or bad, right or wrong? that uh, Deus Ex maybe doesn't explore as thoroughly as it could, but, you know, addresses and does explore in a pretty interesting way. It's 
it's a cool theme to build your game around. Yes, and I'm, absolutely. I, I'm, and I'm mostly enjoying it, for sure. Yeah, I, I've thus far been very, very happy with the game overall. I Thankfully, I didn't have any issues with the boss. So like, I, There hasn't been any points where I was like, I don't like this, I'm not enjoying this. It's just the whole way through, it's been fun for me. I was well, says, I was quite literally getting into it more and more and enjoying it more and more <laughs> until a certain thing happened. A certain boss fight? Yeah, you might say. Well, um, getting back to that just really briefly because that's one of the biggest changes in the director's cut is the boss fights because what I remember of the original Barrett boss fight is it's a fairly small enclosed space. There's not, it's just one big room with a couple of side doors. And I was actually surprised that they, they opened it up. There's an entire upper level where you can go and hack stuff and a secondary In the area. Barrett boss fight? Yeah. Like it's a much bigger arena compared to the original because they had to accommodate how are you going to hack stuff to do things against this guy if all you have is this Jeez. one room with him. And that's yes. how... So that's in, how, in, the, in the director's cut, I can hack a, a turret or something and, and that use is, that to kill him? That is literally what I did. I hacked a couple of computers, oh, and then uh, I got turrets, and the turrets killed him in, like, five seconds. So I would... That is exactly how I would have preferred to kill him, but, yeah, that didn't happen. If yeah. I remember correctly, for the development of the original Human Revolution, it, the boss battles were outsourced to a different company. Yeah. And that's why they don't have the same feeling as the rest of the game. For the director's cut, the original team came back to those boss titles, reworked them so they actually had a Deus Ex feel to them. Are yeah. Are you serious? Yes. Nope. I mean, it, I mean, yes. The boss, the boss battle did feel disjointed from the rest of the uh, FEMA facility, but I, I don't. I mean, because that sounds so insane, I never would have guessed that that yeah. is what actually happened. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was probably the biggest criticism from a lot of people with the original was how uh, um, disjointed the boss battles felt compared to the uh, rest of the game. And yeah, once you know, oh, it was done by a different team, it makes a little bit of sense. But it's still that was kind of you know disappointing. And I'm glad that they got the chance to come back and and do it. And I'm I'm actually knowing now how kind of they expanded Barrett's fight, I'm looking forward to seeing how they do that with the other bosses in the game. So it's going to be very interesting. I, I I am considering just abandoning this current playthrough and, and trying to find, uh, see if I can get the director's cut cheaply. But uh, I... Mm. Keep suffering for the podcast. It makes right. it more entertaining. Okay, I'll... Uh, <laughs> maybe I'll try and find a, you know... Game facts augment that'll help me through these boss battles, but we'll we'll see. I'll, hopefully, I'll be able to finish this game without lowering the difficulty. Oh, what what difficulty are we playing on? The middle one. Okay. Um, Same here. Well, I, maybe it's different for the director's cut, but they uh, they start you off on the middle one, which is I think it's like I would like a challenge or some challenge. And give they, me a uh, challenge, yeah. yeah I want story me. and challenge. Yeah, and and the the lowest one is I'd like to hear a story, and the most and the highest one is what the hell are you thinking or something? Give me Deus Ex. Yeah, I'm I I am in the middle one, the default one, which is how I play most games. I uh, I I feel like normal mode is the way for you to play it the first time. So if I, I don't know, I I even I even get annoyed with the game if uh, you know the if the word around it is oh you shouldn't play normal, you should play very hard. Or you shouldn't play normal. You should play it one level easier. That 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 seems the opposite of intuitive to me. But 
yeah, so I'm playing it on Give Me a Challenge, and hopefully I don't have to go to I'd Like to Hear a Story. So, alright, what is there left to talk about? So, we have a listener comment that we can talk about, or we can have a closing discussion conversation about Deus Ex. Wait. You guys decide. We can't do both? Fine, we'll do both. So, uh, one of the questions we got as kind of a low, uh, kind of relating to Deus Ex is, if we lived in this world of Deus Ex, would we choose to get augmented? And I, if we did, what would we do? Like, how far would we go? Okay, uh, for me, it would definitely be my eyes. Because the, uh, I mean, first of all, I have I have bad eyesight. I hate wearing glasses. I hate using contacts. I, I've thought about getting laser eye surgery many bef- many times before, but I've never gotten around to it. But I think that having augmented eyes, where I could do, where I would have perfect vision, maybe telescopic and microscopic vision, maybe even like limited ability to see through walls and things like I think you can augment to do in days in this game that just seems like it would be totally life-changing and really fascinating so I would I would pick eyes I'm not sure I want to work in the same office as you if you had that yeah, go full I, creeper I, on everybody I don't know what you're talking about guys <laughs> I, mean, sure. I, I, I don't think I mentioned anything like that mm-hmm. what about you Caitlin um I if it if I could afford it, because another thing the game brings up is how expensive not only getting augmented, or, uh, augmented but um, right. also the, having to pay for neuropathy to combat withdrawal. Um, if I could afford it, I think I would. Sorry, sorry, Caitlin, to interrupt, but um, I, I guess for this purpose of this con of this conversation, I wasn't thinking about the cost. But I think it's really cool that an in-demand street drug is. Uh, is painkillers and body and like and body modifiers to accept uh, augmentations? That's that, that's just a really cool detail. Anyway, sorry. Go on, Caitlin. Um, yeah. So I think if I could afford it, I would. Uh, I just there's so many cool possibilities with it, and I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm the kind of person who I guess I don't. I'm okay. Uh, that I'm gonna start over again. That I was gonna go somewhere kind of weird. Um, All right. I don't have as much of an ethical problem with the idea of you know modifying our bodies. Oh, oh yeah, I don't have them. an. Neither do I. I think it sounds totally awesome. I mean, as long as it's done in a safe, humane way, it doesn't threaten people's lives. I mean, I know we'd always have these concerns like, well, like, what about performance? If everyone gets augmented, or are you going to feel like you have to get augmented in order to keep up and whatnot? But no, just turn the regular Olympics into the Cyber Olympics, and that's and that would be hilarious. <sighs> Blood Bowl. Yeah, right? Like, people would do the pole vault and just use their extendo arms instead of a pole vault. <laughs> oh my God. I, I'd watch the hell out of that. It would make track and field 20 times more interesting. <laughs> Well, Sorry, I mean, no, I you just... listeners that are do track and field. <laughs> I mean, the possibilities are just so intriguing to me for what we could do. I mean, there's what we see in the game, and this is also this is a prequel to the um, the first Deus Ex game. So this is sort of in the more area. It's still it's still taking off. It's you can see like even on Adam's you know body, they're a little bit more mechanical in nature. They haven't quite got super sophisticated. Um, but the possibilities are certainly there, and I mean, I think it's intriguing the idea about us reaching the point where we're able to not just improve our lives by 
inventing things around us, but actually improve our own bodies. And I mean, certainly the possibilities for like, oh, what if, you know, we could use augmentations to help deal with serious illnesses. And you right. know, what if, what if things like Parkinson's disease wouldn't be a problem anymore because you could get augment, augmented to deal with that or whatnot. I mean, certainly the medical aspects are really cool, but I just, you know, who wouldn't want to like get super cool robot arms that can like punch through walls and jump like nine feet in the air. And I wouldn't, see, I'm not sure I'd want to see through walls personally, but um, I don't know, maybe some other eye augmentations would be cool. Cyborg basketball would be so awesome. <laughs> this is all Mike's going to talk about now. <laughs> it would be, it would be like Quidditch that just oh flying gosh. around everywhere. The NBA would oh. never be the same. Oh, it'd be great. Yeah, and, Le and LeBron James would just complain the whole time until he got cyber upgrades and do and dominated the new cyber NBA. Uh, Le LeBron would cyber upgrades; he'd still dominate. Well, he would, but I mean, if someone's jumping nine feet in the air, his—I think LeBron's vertical is probably not. not Every everyone else can get augmented, and then it'll be a level playing field, and LeBron will stop winning so much. Now that's a world I don't want to be in. So for me, I, I guess I would have no problem with it. There, I have this weird. I guess I would not want to have metal parts. I know that's stupid. But, but if like, they were a lightweight uh, carbon fiber that was indistinguishable from human flesh from yeah. the outside. Yeah, I would have no problem with that. Same thing, like, I wouldn't want those stupid glasses that he has. Because <laughs> right away I was like, how does he, like, if he lays on a pillow and he puts his head down, those can't be comfortable, right? Yeah, so well, I mean, he wouldn't feel them. Well, he, they can retract, so... But then there's still he still has, like, that metal bar around his face and whatnot. I don't know. I know that's really stupid. That's that's what I kind of think about right away. I don't know. I, I wouldn't have a problem, though. I, like, I'd have no, like, the idea of being able to run faster, jump higher, do everything better, uh, being able to lift things easier. I think the only slippery slope, which, I, Caitlin, you started to kind of touch on, but I'm going to go the dark side of this. You can have all of these health advancements... And so we could cure all these wonderful, like, not wonderful, we could cure all these terrible all these things. these wonderful diseases. Yeah, we can, we can cure all these terrible diseases, which would be wonderful. But then the flip side of that is, how quickly do you devolve into, we can make it so somebody would never die? And I think there's a lot of, beyond any of this, so short answer, I would do it. Long answer, I think it would be bad for us because I think there is a certain amount of people have to feel vulnerable. And when you switch over into the sense that either I've been alive for 20 lifetimes, so I have no relation to the world because everything I've cared about is lived, died, lived, died, lived, died. I think there's a disconnect and I think there's a morality issue that would arise from that. And also I think there's an element of, more so even than the law in a lot of ways, what controls our behavior is the sense that we only have one chance at this if something goes terribly wrong. Like that could be the end. But I guess that's a whole different conversation. <laughs> But yeah, I'd do all of it as long as I, I still looked human. I would still, I would, I'd be willing to do all of it basically, so everything still like felt normal and looked normal. Uh, I'm cool with it. So, do you want you guys have the Google Doc up? Could you say the listener, ask the listener a comment? Because I can't pronounce that game. I don't have it up, but it's pronounced Langrisser. <laughs> so we got a com uh, question through the email. You guys can also send your emails to retro at rpgfan.com. And Jason Cake emailed us to ask if we ever considered covering the. Langrisser? 
thank you, serious. <laughs> and as always, if you guys send an email, if you send a tweet, if you go on the boards and you mention these games, they go on a list. I believe that games actually are on the list. We've had discussions about it in the past. Uh, when we were talking in the pre-show, everybody got super excited as soon as we brought it up. Um, so absolutely, it's on our list as potentials to play down the line. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm looking at our giant spreadsheet of suggestions right now. Langrisser is on there and has a it has a pretty good number of votes. So it's a, it's I mean, I'm not going to guarantee anything, but it's something that could happen down the line. It's a, it's uh, we I mean we have an internal vote on what we do every month, and we draw heavily from listener suggestions and and read and report on every email we receive. Yeah. So, uh, so we definitely care about listener feedback, and it definitely influences the games that we want to play next. So, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if uh, there's a huge demand for Langrisser among the staff, but it's uh, definitely something that's on our list. I'm gonna go the other route and say, if we do this podcast a lot, long enough, eventually we have to do it. Yeah, just by a process of elimination. We'll run out of stuff eventually. Yeah, and it's on our list. So, but yeah. Thank you, Jason, for sending your email. And like I said, everybody else, you guys can send message to us in a various ways that we'll go over at the end of the podcast. And we'll for sure throw those on, on our list and have serious conversations about when and if we're going to do them. But yeah, that is going to do it for our first uh, podcast on Deus Ex Human Revolution. We should be coming back with another one soon. Unlike uh, last month, which I believe we're in November now. Yeah. Last month in October, when we covered Castlevania, we were, uh, had all sorts of technical difficulties. And yeah, we there was there was technical difficulties, scheduling difficulties, staff difficulties. Basically, every difficulty that can happen to a podcast happened. For yes, and multiple times too. It wasn't even just like once; it happened multiple times. Um, so this will actually be back for a second podcast, and we'll do a third. So yay, yay! <laughs> More Deus Ex. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, like I said, you can send your emails to retro at rpgfan.com. Make sure you go to rpgfan.com, get on the boards, voice your comments, thoughts. We love to hear them. Go on iTunes or any of your other podcast listening venues. Please rate, review, comment. Yeah. And that's going to do it for us today. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> oh, well, we didn't mention what you were going to mention about Brett. Oh. Oh, all right. Yeah, yeah, so if you noticed that Brett was kind of <laughs> conspicuously absent for the last half of the show, um, he had a, a personal emergency mid-show mid and had to leave us, So, and we, we send him our, our well wishes and hope everything uh, is okay. But, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, di- he, didn't, he, didn't, um, he didn't die on the podcast. We, that, that would have been quite a first, I think, if... That happened. As much as Caitlyn threatens, she hasn't actually killed anybody yet. I will never actually kill anyone. I'm all bark and no bite. Mm -hmm. Yep, that's how that's how you lull us into a false sense of security. (sighs) But yes, uh, Brett will hopefully be back for the next one. Um, But yeah, he just had a small family emergency, so. And we didn't want to, you know, make it too awkward by announcing it in the middle of a discussion. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. By the way, our our fourth just departed. No, no, no. We could have been like, Brett, what did you think? And then, Solosi, do your crickets. Yeah, that that probably would have been a little tasteless, so... Yeah, that, that would have been in poor form on my part. But, but yeah, that I'm... wasn't right there. <laughs> <laughs> she asked, she asked I me know, directly I'm, to I'm, do it, I'm which, so which is... 
pretty much the only circumstances in which I'll do it on the air. But, uh, yeah, I'm really interested to see how this game moves forward, and I'm really curious if I can survive any more boss fights. Hopefully I, I won't have fire barrels exploding in my face quite so often. I, I think that sounds like a wonderful day to have a fire barrel explode in your face. Maybe I should live stream it so just everyone can laugh at me bumbling through a boss fight, just tripping over grenades and, and accidentally have uh, fire extinguishers shot in my face and all, everything that happened to me yesterday and the day before trying to beat that boss battle. Are you, uh, are you saying, would you ask to get a fire barrel thrown at your face? Oh, in real life? Um, oh man, if my, if my health and safety was guaranteed, then sure, let's do it. <laughs> I'd be kind of impressed that you could chuck a fire barrel. You yeah, can just, well, like, I, not a non, like a non, non, a non, non, non fire barrel. Okay, they, that's three. Is that negatives. a triple negative? Yeah. Yeah. We're just ramping up here. Um, All right. But just picking up a regular barrel, I'm impressed that anybody can do that. And then if they chuck it, now imagine a flaming barrel. So you would, how many augments would I need to be able to do that? Probably, definitely for my arms, possibly also legs and back so they wouldn't See, break. Yeah, I was going to say, it's the back. That's when everybody forgets about. Like, why doesn't he have back upgrades for all the stuff that he's doing he with probably, his arms? He probably does. I mean, I mean, just, I mean, I'm sure there's all kinds of cyber stuff in his spine and back. And you can up, upgrade your torso with stuff. But it's just something that, you, I guess, you don't with, augment. Like, mortars. With, like, <laughs> like, 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 put attach mortars to his back. Like no, that's kinda... his his stomach's like a mortar explosion gun. Oh, oh yeah. The... <laughs> so, are you saying that he should have like like mortars attached to his shoulders that he can fire in an arc, like he's some kind of Warhammer Space Marine? No, I want this to get real and like, I I strengthen my arm so I can lift this garbage can. But he goes and does it, and then you like you pull his back, and he like has to lay on the ground for two minutes <laughs> in pain. Ah. Uh. Ge that's geriatric a little, that's a Adam real. Jensen. <laughs> that's a little too real. They had to like reboot his system and re-strengthen his back then. So you have to upgrade in his back and his legs, because you have to lift through your legs always. And then you're able to lift a trash. And every every three weeks he has to he tries to wake up but has to download the new patch. Yeah. Which small like I really enjoyed the uh, the EMP grenades. Mm -hmm. Like I enjoyed that whole effect and like how it kind of shuts down your system and it has to reboot. It, yeah. it, it happens to your uh, augmented targets, too, if you land one of those, though. Oh, I don't throw grenades. I needed to use them against Barrett, my new favorite person. Favorite video game person. Hey, you seem to talk about him a lot. It seems like you actually really like, yeah, care. Whatever. Yeah, I, I think you have a no, crush I'm, on him. Uh, whatever, some stupid augmented fake Lieutenant Surge. No. Mike and Barrett sitting in the tree. A-I-S-S-I-N-G. You don't understand our love! <laughs> It doesn't matter if one of us is augmented and one of us is nearsighted. <laughs> and on that note, that's going to do it for episode 7 one of Retro Encounter. Please come back next time. I need a robot hug. <laughs> I think we all need a robot hug. Oh, we'll be I'm hugging it out for sure. Dude, robot gymnastics would be crazy. No, we're not, no, no, we're not going to yeah. have this conversation. Right? This podcast has to end at some point. Robot gymnastics. Okay. Good night, everybody. <laughs>